places. Everyone. We're now broadcasting. Roll the tape in. Three, two. A new audio drama. Appaloosa Radio is where stories come alive. Appaloosa Radio offers Reflexology, an original story. The small business sat in an Austin strip mall between a pizza place and a nail salon, three doors down from a Japanese sushi restaurant. On its red neon sign was the single word reflexology. The proprietor specialized in what he called oriental foot massages, stimulating the nerves, and improving a body's health. It was 5.45 in the evening, and in mid-December, it was already dark. The red neon reflexology sign was visible across the whole parking lot. None of the signs from the other businesses had yet switched on. In the foot massage client waiting area, the proprietor sat on one of the chairs, looking intently at his phone. After five or six minutes, he got up and walked outside. In front of the sushi place was a bench where customers of the Japanese restaurant sat while they waited for their to-go orders. He sat on the bench and lit a cigarette. He finished his cigarette, glanced at his phone, and then stood up. Thirty seconds later, he lay on the sidewalk, dead. He fell face down, next to the red wooden bench in front of the sushi restaurant. No one remembered hearing a shot. During his autopsy, they discovered a very small poison dart lodged in his back, shot probably, they surmised, from some sort of air rifle. The neurotoxin had been extremely quick-acting, taking only seconds, to immobilize both his heart and lungs. He was dead before his body reached the ground. When the first officers arrived, they searched his body for identification. They could find none. In the reflexology business, the later arriving detectives found another cell phone, a set of car keys, a light jacket with more cigarettes in the pocket, and a manila envelope with $2,800 in it. However, they found no personal identification. The car keys fit a blue, 1999 Honda Civic parked in the parking lot directly across from the foot massage business. The car had no registration papers, but the detectives did find a single Visa credit card inside the Honda's glove box. The name on the card was Richard S. Kopp. 
When the police ran the car's license plate, they found that it was registered three years before to Richard Stephen Cobb, Jr. at an address in student housing at Southern Methodist University. When the officers contacted the university, they discovered that Richard Stephen Cobb, Jr. had graduated two years before and was now living in Florida. Later, when the officers contacted him, they learned that the blue Honda had been sold three years ago to an individual who paid in cash. When the officers followed up on the credit card found in the Honda, they discovered that Richard S. Cop, Sr., was listed as living in Houston, not Austin. When the Houston police checked, Richard S. Cop was very much still alive and was living and working in Houston. He did not know who was now driving his son's blue 1999 Honda Civic. He said that they had sold it three years earlier. He had no idea who may have been using a credit card with his name on it. He had all of his credit cards. None had been compromised or stolen. He had never been to the Austin reflexology business. He knew nothing about the Austin strip mall. In fact, it had been over a decade since he was last in Austin. An unknown dead man in his early 40s killed by a poisoned art. A most unusual start to a most unusual murder case. The dead man stood 5 feet 10 and weighed 168 pounds. He appeared in good shape with a well-toned body. The coroner's office listed him as of Chinese descent most probably of the Han ethnicity. He had a round face, dark eyes, and dark, well-trimmed, hair. He had undergone substantial dental treatment, his teeth were regular and well-formed, probably reshaped by wearing braces. They had recently been whitened through a professional process. He was clean-shaven and did not wear contacts. He had been wearing a golf shirt and golf pants. Their labels indicated that they had been purchased at a specialized golf shop. There was such a store at the large mall, just four miles from the foot massage clinic. He wore high-end Nike sneakers, and he wore no socks. His cigarettes were a well-known American brand. His cell phone was American-made, but all the characters were in Chinese. The detectives contacted the chairman of the Chinese language department at the University of Texas and asked for his assistance in translating the information on the man's cell phone. Early the next morning, the professor arrived at police headquarters and was given the phone. When he tried to view its contents, he quickly discovered that everything had been erased from it. Officers knew that the previous evening, 
The phone had been alive and seemed to contain substantial information. They contacted the cell service provider and asked whether the company had initiated the order to erase all content on the device. The company had not. The command, the company said, had originated elsewhere. Officers did learn that the phone had been registered to Richard S. Kopp at an Austin apartment address. When the police arrived at that address, they found the apartment was empty. Neighbors informed them that the apartment had been occupied by four or five Chinese men, but they all had moved out the week before, leaving the apartment immaculately clean. Neighbors said the Chinese men were polite and considerate neighbors. No wild parties. No problems with drugs or alcohol. They did remember seeing the blue 1999 Honda Civic in the parking lot. But were not sure which of the men drove it. A second group of detectives examined the inside of the foot massage business. They found that on the day of the murder, the business had experienced a steady stream of customers. In the appointment book, someone had written the names of customers and their phone numbers in English. The police also found that the cell phone originally found in the business was used only to receive appointments for treatment. The names and numbers found in the phone's record matched those in the appointment book. Officers contacted each person who had received a foot massage at the clinic. They discovered that Dr. Charlie was well liked by his customers, and most had experienced remarkable results from their treatment. Dr. Charlie was reported to have seen many American movies from the 1940s and would often entertain his customers by reciting lines from those movies, changing voices to do the different parts. Very entertaining. Very engaging. Very professional. One customer said that Dr. Charlie's favorite movie roles were from the old Charlie Chen detective movies. He knew every line from everyone. When the detectives investigated about who had rented the building for the business, they were not surprised to learn that it was rented by a Dr. Charlie Chen who gave us his address the apartment associated with the Chinese phone's records. By every indication, the foot massage clinic was a legitimate business that provided a service valued by its customers. Customers personally liked Dr. Charlie and appreciated the relief that his treatments brought to their various health conditions. The clinic operated professionally and maintained regular hours. Dr. Charlie was the only apparent employee. The business had been open over two years and had received only the best, five-star reviews on social media. It regularly advertised using a direct mail coupon service and offered a substantial discount for first-time customers.
On the wall was a plaque indicating membership in the local Chamber of Commerce and a business license for the city of Austin. The woman who ran the nail salon next to Dr. Chan's reflexology clinic remembered seeing him sitting in the reception area of the business looking at his phone. Then, he went out to the bench in front of the Japanese sushi restaurant and smoked a cigarette. dead business owner killed by a poison dart. After finishing a cigarette just steps from his business. An unknown person with a phony identity operating a legitimate business. Living in an apartment with other men of unknown identity. Driving an unregistered car. And using a credit card from a Texas man living in another city. It was time, the Austin police determined, to bring in the FBI. A few days into its investigation, the FBI developed a theory. They believed that Dr. Charlie Chan was a clandestine intelligence operative from China, one who had arrived in Texas under a false identity that was quickly discarded and replaced with the reflexology clinic cover. They suspected that Richard S. Kopp, Sr., had some contact with China. They searched visa records and found that Kopp worked for an oil exploration company which had developed an interest in Chinese oil deposits. Richard S. Kopp had made two trips to China with his company. Plenty of time to steal his identity. The FBI speculated that the Chinese government had stolen Kopp's identity. And then used that identity to create new accounts. That they could use to send ongoing funding to their clandestine operatives in Texas. They reasoned that it is common for credit card holders with one bank to be sent offers for additional credit cards from other banks. The FBI speculated that Chinese operatives stole mail from Richard Kopp's mailbox and then used the credit card offers from other banks to credit new credit cards they could use for their clandestine operations. As long as the account was paid on time and in full, no one would even know that the newly acquired credit cards did not belong to Richard Kopp. The FBI also speculated that Chinese operatives placed the Kopp family under continuing observation and when the blue 1999 Honda became available, they purchased it. While there were no registration papers in the car when it was discovered after the murder, the FBI reasoned that in all probability Chinese forgers had produced phony registration papers and maybe even a phony driver's license to be available should the need arise. The Chinese operatives may have removed them from the car in anticipation of closing down the operation. The operatives may have left the single credit card because Dr. Chan was tasked with making a last purchase before the operation finally ended. Why send clandestine operatives to Austin, Texas? Well Austin is becoming one of America's fastest-growing tech centers, a place where innovation was at the forefront.
So, what was Dr. Charlie Chan's reflexology clinic? The FBI speculated that it may have served as a transition hub where stolen files were brought by various couriers before being shipped to China. A courier could easily come to the clinic for a treatment and hand Dr. Chan the stolen files. It could also be a place where payments of various kinds were made. The cash in the manila envelope was probably a payment of some kind. The reflexology clinic operated for over two years. Dr. Chan was well liked by a growing set of patients. Everything was going exactly as designed. Then, why was Dr. Charlie Chan killed? The FBI believes that he had become a liability to the operation. The other operatives had moved out of the apartment and had left it in immaculate condition. They had cleaned the car except for the one credit card. They were readying either for a new operation in a new place or maybe, a return to China. But for some reason, some unknown reason, Dr. Charlie Chan was ordered eliminated. He had served his useful purpose. Over the years, Hollywood created nearly four dozen Charlie Chan mystery movies. In the movies, Charlie Chan was inscrutable solving murders through cryptic Chinese proverbs. At least ten different actors portrayed the fictional detective. All of these actors were Caucasian, none were Chinese. Every actor in these movies impersonated what they believed to be Chinese mannerisms and a Chinese accent. Of course, they were stereotypical, well beyond phony. It is not without irony that the phony Dr. Charlie Chan who ran the Austin Reflexology Clinic chose to name himself after the movie character. It was not in tribute or honor that he did so. He was clearly saying, I am a Chinese clandestine operative from the modern China, the real China, the powerful China. Like the movie character, I am very intelligent and highly resourceful. But, unlike him, I am not a benevolent bumbler an inherently subservient sidekick, or a stereotype drawn from the age of yellow peril. One fact remains clear. Our operation accomplished what it was sent to do.
Palusa Springs Audio Theater is a creative collaboration whose purpose is to write, produce, and share original story content through webcast radio experiences.